You're listening to Irish Radio Canada's home and abroad. Tatu Gaeska, Radio Air in Canada. So while you're August, our foot on down as you. Tomajig Dulgaji, Connemara, Condagalia. But we're going to Connemara in County Galway. And we're going to have a chat with John Bade of Flaherty. And um, if you haven't heard John's music, you're missing it in more ways than one because he has a beautiful voice. Um, presents music in a wonderful way, has a wonderful timbre in his voice, first of all, uh, but also the material that, that John records, I would have to say is very specific, and I'd recognize it the second I hear, because I don't think anyone else would record quite the selection of songs and present them in the way that he does. And John is here with me at the moment. John, Austin. Um, you know, I, I have to say, as I said there, your music is, is it's unique. Uh, they, your voice and the material that you've recorded and how it's presented, it's instantly recognizable as you, once somebody hears you once. Um, a bit about yourself, a bit about your background, a bit about your music. Well, thank you for that, those words, Austin. Um yeah, I've been recording songs since the 80s, early to mid-80s. And uh, most of the songs would be in, in Irish, Osgoelga. And they would have a, a country and western slant on them, if you if you like, uh, with uh, maybe a bit of the Shano's Nya thrown uh-huh. in there as well the way people sing Shanos Connemara Shanos singers and Cork and Kerry and Waterford and Donegal uh, there are pockets of Shanos singers all over those areas and uh, that's what I do but I, I I put music behind it and I give it a bit of a, a rhythm and uh, it caught on, mind you. It caught on. A lot of people liked what I was doing down through the years. And then I started writing my own songs uh, as time went by. I enjoy doing it. And uh, I played a lot in the pubs uh, around well, around Connemara down through the years as well. And... Uh, used to get good attendance, you know, Good, a lot of people used to come around. Uh, they must have liked something about what I was doing. Um, I wouldn't call me a household name now either, you know, uh, worldwide or nationwide. Depends, but It depends on the household, John. Well, there's that. That that would be it, of course. You, you hit the nail <laughs> on the head. <laughs> but I suppose one way of... of Describing some of this was like over the years there's been big names uh, on the music scene in Ireland, particularly in the country and western area. The likes now of you have Nathan Carter, and uh, he's certainly drawn the crowds. And years back you would have had Ray Lynham, and you'd have had um, Philomena Begley, Margot, and Daniel O'Donnell, and they were all in English. And I yes, guess that's right. And I guess in a way the Irish audience has always had a love for country and western music so to take that and loosely bring it west of the Shannon and 
um, fuse, as you say, Shanos and traditional, and bring it to that level of, um, and to be able to reach some of that audience is a powerful skill that you've mastered. Well, yeah, um, the the Irish the the Irish listener, um, it is country and western, um, but there is a tug of war between country and western and and trad as well, you know, in this country. Uh, but as far as my stuff goes, there's a tug of war between what I do and Shano's singing as well. Right. The Shano's singers and the Shano's, the, the, the people who love the Shano's, they, they frowned on me for a while. They, they, they didn't take to it kindly because I thought I was kind of uh, maybe ruining it for them. But I don't think, as has been evident down through the years, that didn't happen. The Shano's is as strong now or even stronger maybe than it ever was. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, what I was doing didn't wane either. It's It held on as well. So it's been proven that there's room for the two genres there, even though they're very closely related. And, and I'm very happy about that. Yeah, and I would say they're closely related in one way, but they're poles apart in another. And I know some of my listeners would be familiar with Sean Keane. And Sean, in some ways, also has merged or fused some of what would have been a Shano style with a pop culture, even, in his version of Blackbird and uh, Fields of Gold and things like that, and has brought an Irish uh, presentation to what are some international songs. Um, so the, I, I, I get what you're saying, that there's always this tug of war that the traditionalists feel in a way that you're commercializing but shouldn't be commercialized. That's that's correct. Uh, that, that, well, it is correct, and I feel I feel that's that's the way things things w- were anyway. Things not as much now. They, we've learned to kind of live side by side. It's the same thing when when Flatley and Liverdance started up with with their thing. The, the, there's a big Shano's dancing thing in Connemara as well. You know. We have our own style here. Right. And some of the purists there, some people who are into that sort of thing, they frowned on Flatley's work too for a long time. Yes. But again, both styles have learned to live together. And uh, isn't it great that that can happen like? And there was a danger at one time. I felt at one stage that I should shut up and go home, as it were, uh, going back a while. Uh, but uh, I didn't do that. I kept going and kept going, and I finally found out that I was accepted, kind of. Uh, reluctantly, maybe, in the beginning, but uh, accepted into that uh, world as well. Like So a long time later, you know, uh, today, as I said, we're all getting on very well. We're having to. And I would think, John, that the rollout since the, I suppose it would have been in the 80s, really in the early 90s, of local radio has greatly widened the audience for a narrower genre. That the ability to 
get your style out on what would have been just RT1 or RT2, Radio 1 or 2, would have, it just, it would have been very difficult. And it was either that or Radio Nogueta. Yeah, well, I was, I was lucky that Radio Nogueta existed since 1972. And uh, if it wasn't for Radio Nogueta, I would not have been anywhere. I wouldn't. And as you said, depending on RTE, one or two, that wasn't going to cut it with me. And I wouldn't probably cut it with them either, with the stuff I was doing. Right. Um, that's how, that's the reality of it. But you're right. The local radio stations like RMG and Fair FM and Midwest and all them, they, they were a bad scent to the, to the, the regional performers and singers uh, and uh, we, we were look, very lucky in that, in that, on that score As an awful lot of what would be the traditional music festivals around Ireland and um, not just the All-Ireland Flag but what would, have been, would be regional type flags um, do you find that you're being invited to play or are you considered again a little bit off the, the traditional radar um, that they may not be inviting you? I consider myself a good bit off the traditional radar. I've always considered myself way off that. Right. And I would not be invited onto traditional programs very much. Right. Or uh, traditional shows or Erachtus Nagelia or Flachol Nahedan. I would never be invited onto any of those. Right. Because probably my package wouldn't fit in there. Uh, and yet, I would have to say, ironically, your package is is so well suited because, you know, there a few years back, particularly T.G. Lurgan, the Clash the Lurgan, were putting out videos um, of pop songs as well again that were hit, getting millions of hits on YouTube, and Shalane evolved out of that, and it was reaching a younger audience, and. One of the statistics I saw in the last few days, which is ironic in one sense, and that was that one of the reasons in Ireland by COVID they were working, they had so many, or so few, less percentage demographic deaths among older people in Ireland was because the older people had emigrated. What are now the older people had emigrated? So the audience you're trying to reach has to be the younger audience. That's correct. That's correct. And I'm not sure if I'm going to. Uh, um, wash into the younger audience from here on in. I I don't know about that, but um, I have been lucky enough to notice that a lot of young people, maybe not today, but a few years ago, uh, were used to follow me and used to like what I did, and a lot of them still do. Right. But I'm not sure as to. To what extent, or to how 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 strong that bond would be right. at the moment? I'm not sure about that. I dare say I might not be poppy enough for them, maybe. Uh, and I I'm not sure if country and western will always hold its own there either as we go on and as time mo- moving forward. I'm not sure how long more country and western in English or in Irish will hold its own. Uh, after the present generation moves on. Uh, that would worry me a bit, and that right. would go for myself too. Other than, I suppose, if you look 
to the other side of the Atlantic, country music is huge and continues to be huge and continues to attract an audience. Um, so I don't think as a genre that the style of music in itself, country and Irish, uh, as I think has also its own individuality that somehow or other helps people and I'm, uh, I would have to say in many ways outside of Dublin people helps them define themselves in many ways. Yeah, that's true and uh, it amazes me as, as to how it's uh, hung on there, you know, since Big Tom, since Big Tom days and down through Ray Lynham and Philomena and you know, all these Rory Daniels and and now the, this new generation of Mike Denver and Daniel and Nathan Carter. That amazes me that that new generation caught on, and I'm still thinking that that will eventually uh, wane a bit or go, uh, uh, maybe not die off, but weaken, I think. Right, right. Uh, I, I can't see it carrying on because... Um, the audience it had have moved on by and large um, and as you say if the audience isn't there any longer and you're depending on people who are not born yet I'm not sure as to where it's going to go from here right. and that's me included right so you mentioned there 1970 early 70s is how long you've been on the road uh, or since you started out a good long career. I started out in 1980 80. So, yeah. oh, okay, so now we're, what, we're, they were, that's 40, 41 years ago. We're 40 odd years later. For, yeah. Good for you. Um, they, what got you into it? What, who, who was your idol that kind of said, I, I'd be interested in pursuing a career in music? I, whether, um, was it from an Irish source or was it from outside? Well, it would probably have to be from, an Irish source. Um, I, I was in England prior to 1980. I was uh, I was living in London, and um, I used I used to listen to Radio Nobelta, and I used to hear singers like Dermot O'Brien, and um, you know the Dubliners to a lesser extent they sang Irish songs like Peggy Letter Moore and. Daraho Cahan, our Shano singer from Littermore, he sang Oroche de Bahawala in Irish, uh, not not so much because it was in Irish, but he sang it with a compliment from Oreda, from Poltori Holan. Mm-hmm. And that's what triggered me thinking, why couldn't I sing Irish songs in my Connemara accent and Connemara Gaelia? Right. Um, and throw it and put it into some genre. You couldn't sing Shano's slow songs and give them a jizzy beat. That's right. But the country in Western was there. And I could. I used to hear some Scottish singers sing country in Western, uh, staccato, you know, fully-fledged country sound with their own Gaelic as well. Right. And I thought that should work with my Gaelic and my kind of singing and my songs and my area songs and there was another group in Connemara at that time they were called Nafagna Fava 
the Klagna followed the empty, the empty heads, we shall say in English. <laughs> and they recorded a few songs with a country and western twang to it. Right. And between all of that, that's what triggered me into doing what I did and what I do. Right. And um, I had a bit of a, I had a reasonably good, good voice. Uh, I didn't have a great voice, but I had a good enough voice and I used it fairly well. I put a bit of emphasis on diction in English and in Irish. Right. And uh, also, I didn't just sing Irish songs. I sang English language songs as well. Yes. But I sang just as many Irish songs in my own Connemara dialect or Connoans or accent. Right. And Jeffers, uh, it took off and uh, people found it pleasant to listen to. And that's probably where it all started with me. And John, you were still in London at this stage. I was. I was. That would have been the late 70s, 78, 79. And uh, I decided to move home in, in 1980. Okay. And pubs were going fairly well at the time. There used to be bits of trad played in them and, you know, the odd bit of music. And I just bought myself a pile of amplification and... Uh, went around to the local pubs and asked them could I do a gig yeah. and said, uh, some of them said no we don't do that type of stuff right uh, but one or two pubs did and all I needed was one pub yeah. and word got around and yeah. and they started piling in and I had many great gigs and many great gigs ever since the places used to be packed to the rafters uh, and we used to be playing Thursday nights and Wednesday nights and Friday nights starting at 8.30 in the evening. It was summer's evening. Right. Uh, and there'd be people going going home again because they couldn't get into the pub. Right. That's how popular that was. And, and then and I had people writing songs. I wasn't writing any myself at the time, but I had people like Thomas Makanumuda and Tom Chogia and people like that writing songs, especially for me. Right. And God, that felt great. And I started yeah. arranging them and singing them. And that caught on too. And that's been going ever since. Right. And uh, yeah. I, I'd have to thank uh, the people who showed up too. I'd have to thank them all for their patronage down through the years. They never let me down. And uh, I will never forget that either. So, John, over the years, how many albums have you recorded at this time? Oh, I recorded probably close uh, to a dozen between right. cassettes and CDs. The latest one I brought out is about, it was there at Christmas. Uh, Roots and Ran, if I call them. And it's uh, mostly songs that I wrote myself. Uh, I didn't get the chance to launch it widely because of the pandemic. But I expect when the pandemic is over, it will probably make its way a little bit more. But it's there, it's there, and when it's ready to be sold, it'll probably sell a few. Right. Um, and we'll be delighted to share it with our listeners as well. Um, a day, and thanks very much. Um, so, um, when you write, the structure of language is very different between Irish and English. How we think, in, 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 we Irish think differently because of our because of our language. Um, so when you write, the thought process or how 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 your lyrics come out in Irish or English 
is there a difference in how how you're working? There, there is. The closer you're going to get to translating, let's say translating an Irish song, an English song into an Irish song, an Irish language song, the closer you're going to get to that is bring the story or whatever is going on in the English song to the word. Bring it as detailed as you can, the surface. You're going to have to use different lines and different mm-hmm. structure and different way of composing and and, and, and building or constructing the, 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 the poetry the, po- the poetry in song because it won't work word for word mm-hmm. translation. It will, but it won't be. It'll be prose. It won't mm-hmm. be poetry. Mm-hmm. But uh, but. Uh, if you're a good English speaker, and if you're a good Irish speaker, you will find a way to to do the job, as it were, to get song into the Irish language. Do you have a preference when you're working from a just a, from a love? Would you, would you prefer to be writing in Irish rather than English? Oh, I prefer to be writing in Irish. Yeah, oh, yeah. but uh, but I love dabbling in English too. But. Uh, English English is a vast language, my God. There's so, so much in it. And there are so many words. But the, the, the secret, to, to me anyway, the secret about po- poet, be, being a uh, poetry or writing songs is simplicity. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wouldn't uh, care to go into strong, hard words in any language to bring a song to the surface. I would rather do it in simple phrasing, clear, simple language, you know. Um, I don't mind doing that in English, and I have written songs in English, but uh, I love doing it in Irish, and the, the songs in Irish, I, I, I love the sea, I love sailing, uh, I love a bit of controversy, you know, political issues, and this and that and the other, and there's plenty of scope there to write a song in Irish, and there always will be, you know, so th- that's what I like. Someone said to me, like, that you can have uh, one word in English that has ten different meanings, but you can have ten different things in Irish, That sorry, that you can have uh, ten words to describe one thing in Irish. Yeah, yeah. That it's yeah, more, there, there more, are, more precision in an awful lot of ways in the Irish language for the emotion and the nuances of many words. Oh yeah, there's there's some powerful words in the Irish language too, you know. And the sad thing about it is, uh, in today's world, when sailing as a means of commerce left us, you know, when when that phased out in the fifties, forties, and fifties. We lost a whole, uh, a whole load of words that were in the Irish language, beautiful words that don't get used anymore because there's no sailing, there's no running loads of flour from Galway to a shop back in Carn or Clifton anymore. It's none of that. Right. So we lost, we're losing all these words. Even, even farming, uh, small time farming in Connemara, that was in existence back in the before the eighties had wars and things attached to that as well that are not there anymore because that way of life has dwindled and gone almost. 
Right. So we're we're losing a lot of those rich phrases and words. But I'm lucky that I have a lot of that into it. I remember it and I study it and I, I can bring it back in, in song and use the words. Uh, the English language, I don't think, has that problem. That's very, very, very much alive. True. And very much kicking. True. Uh, and it's going to make it awful awkward for the Irish language to come back. But thanks to Roddy on the Grace of Band, TG Cahad, uh, RTE to a much lesser extent, um, we, the Irish probably is spoken more widely in Ireland now throughout than ever before. The Beltoffs are kind of struggling to hold on to what they have. Right. They're just about holding on. Right. Uh, I hope uh, they, they, they pick up a bit. It's badly needed. And, of course, the language is being taught and spoken around the world, which is powerful. Yes. In, in, in the country where you are, in Canada, they're very good over there. The States have it. Britain, even Britain, they have a lot of Irish things going on there as well. Australia, uh, in, in Europe, even Germany. Mm-hmm. My own cousin teaches old Irish in Den- in, uh, in Holland. Right, right. So it's 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 uh, alive and kicking all over the world. But it is and, and our own local Gwelthots in Connemara, Donegal, and Kerry. You imagine. You, you would think that it's dwindling, if anything. Right. And that worries me a bit. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a Changa Bio, uh, not a Changa Marv. Well, it's a Changa Bio for now, anyhow. Yes, it is, yeah. it is indeed. It's not a Changa Oh, it's not a Changa Marv. it for the down. Ta. Tasha Bio. Oh. Ta Gudzibin, Augusta. Tanyismo Adigit, Rochahelish. There is more money spent on it all over the world outside Connemara Gwaltoft than inside the Connemara Gwaltoft. Right. And right. I worry about that, and I have a problem with that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that needs to change, and it needs to change soon. Right. Well, of course, with the current situation uh, in COVID-19 and with the number of people who are now being able to telecommute and to work from home, um I understand that um, there is a move afoot to try to alter some of the restrictive planning application practices that occur in remote parts of Ireland and and the islands because people are anxious now to relocate back to rural Ireland and onto the islands. And uh, I think it may, in the longer term, actually help the whole cultural scenario in Ireland. Yeah, yeah, that, that's that's true. But I mean, listen, there are there were there were and are bright people up in Darlaydon and up rambling around where the powers that be reside. They know that for years, and they're in no great hurry to do anything about it. And I would lay that at their doorstep right now, and. As I said, that uh, that needs to be done, and it is kordgum rosnojish. Hastin wob deferiyena agus bara agus jin rodikins beris. No, peshamal, peshamal. If don't move soon, it'll be it'll be too late. Yeah, the only thing I think is this situation is it's been driven by people rather than by politicians. People are saying 
we want to move out of Dublin. We want to move to rural Ireland. We want yes, to and those there. are the same people. Those are the same people. All of us who elect those politicians to I know. represent I know. us yeah. and represent our needs and views. Yeah, and uh, uh, it might be me and the way I see it, but uh, it's not a lot coming back. Yes. Not yet. And uh, <laughs> I don't think it's right to be blaming COVID for it either. This was going no, on. No, 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 no. no, no. I'm not, I'm not, I, I, I would actually say it's the reverse. I would say COVID is presenting the opportunity that COVID is, is showing that it is possible, that COVID is showing that uh, you don't have to go to a glass building in Dublin. Yeah. yeah. Well, isn't it a pity we needed COVID to, to do that? Oh, I, I agree. I agree. Yeah. But if, that, if, if that's the legacy of COVID, and I feel very sorry and bad about people who lost their lives throughout COVID, but if that's the legacy of COVID, uh, so be it. Mm-hmm. You know. We should wrap up, John. It's been wonderful. We're going to share some of your music. And if people want to get their hands on your CDs, your music, where should I be directing them to? Well... I don't, I'm not sure if there are any CDs in, in Canada or in the States. Um, Galway City. And our digital... in Galway City. And down in Clare, I think... Uh, At Costis. Um, the the Costis, I think, might yeah. have them. Well. But you, you, you don't have them for sale digitally on the web? I don't, no. Okay. Okay, so we're just going to have. I'll, I'll try and I'll try and get a, a copy or a few copies as far as you uh, at some stage. That would be <laughs> wonderful. But uh, I do know you're out there. I think you may be to some degree on Spotify, as far as I recall. Uh, I think. Uh, yes, I think so. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. I'm not the greatest at uh, all these uh, outlets. I wouldn't know much about the technology. Other people do that. But as, as you get to distribute in the future and, and uh, things ease up, we're delighted to share uh, where people can get their hands. And if it means sending them to Custis and getting Custis to mail it out, we'd happily do that also. Because I know Custis, oh, are, they're always happy to mail stuff out. John, it's been a real pleasure chatting with you. Well, Gurumila Mahagat. Well, Gurumila Mahagat, Austin. Thank you very much.